0: Welcome to our weekly Wednesday this Being recorded. Little Nishmas from Hey Shvat, Freyim Chan The outside is Hey Shvat. On Friday, Mitzchem, Shom Mitzchem, We for Kali Yisrael Yeshua he should be a good for his whole family for Kal Yisrael he was always a tremendous advocate for a fellow Jew always had a fellow Jew in mind always looked how to help a fellow Jew he had an infectious smile and just a captivating laugh his life was so genuine and so real and so full You almost thought it was fake but there was nothing fake about this man he told you to your face what he thought and he was as genuine as they come he was determined he persevered didn't necessarily grow up to begin with with a silver spoon in his mouth but even in a country like Caracas, Venezuela where it was so hard to be a Jew he saw to what a yeshiva was brought down they should help the community they should sit and limb with the community ultimately he gave away his own house for the yeshiva to exist, to be, he raised a phenomenal family, in spite of being in Caracas, Venezuela. His children, Baruch Hashem, are. Living examples, Mahu b'chayim, Mazara b'chayim, Afu As his children live on his legacy, his life and legacy live on. Shir Shirabas Daniel, Danil, Shalom, and also Rivka, Shalom b'as Nachmanal, Akein Shalita. <coughs> Rabbi Frey, known as Re, Rabbi Frey, Mr. Steinmetz whatever you want to call him was the epitome of a perfect Nishama. Nishama comes onto this world with a mission he constantly looked to see what his mission would be Travelling for business to the far end of the Far East with a layover in San Francisco and they ever located him in San Francisco with a message with a mission. Something to do in Japan. They never knew this is a true foot soldier. Someone he could totally rely on, depend on, and would get results, and he did. He saw to it that he made everything turn to results. He did not rest until there was results. Mm. Mm. Very similarly to Shvat, (coughs) the month of Shvat, where we know on Rishkhid Shvat, Mesh Rabbeinu began to tell the Taylor over to the Eden, and he told the Eden, the Taylor, in 70 languages. And the reasoning for the 70 languages, one of the reasons was because he knew that the Jews would ultimately end up in different cultures, in different nations, with different languages. And by Meishir Abinu presenting the Tera in that particular language, back in 2488 today in 5780 Yidin are able to learn Tera in that given language because Meshe Rabbeinu paved the way Meshe Rabbeinu initiated Meshe saw so to it that the Yidin would have that language would have Tera in that language since it was translated by Moshe, therefore, the language itself is blessed that it can therefore be translated. It can, it can study Tera in its language. So on the Rishchei Dishvat, Moshe Rabbeinu began the recitation of the Tera until he passed seven thirty seven days later. And Zayin other, and therefore the month of Shvat has a tremendous connotation, a tremendous representation, which is Tera as we know it today is being studied because of that very month. A week of Chedesh other as well, but mostly and part, almost fully. In the entire month of Shvat, was the road paved for us to be able to study Torah. However, Pasha's Boy, we know, talks about Yetzias Mitzrayim, the leaving of Egypt. When the Yidden left Egypt, they left nothing behind. As a matter of fact, and we'll discuss later, Mid-shem, time permitting, they borrowed from each all their neighbors all their gold and silver, and they took this with them as well. And Moshe tells uh, Pari, "Not only will we go out with our own sheep to leave time; you will give us as well." In the beginning of the parasha, our Kallosh Baruch says to Meishe, <speaking> Vayim <in> Roshem <Hebrew> O'Meishe, Bo'yel Parai, come to Parai. Ke'ani akbadeti yoslibe, I hardened his heart. Ve'asle'v <speaking in Hebrew> avodov, and the heart of his servants. The man shisih ay seitsai eile that I may place the signs of mine in his midsts. The tailor therefore attests that God actually, God actually hardened Pyre's heart, and therefore he was in total refusal to allow the Eden to leave. Mm-hmm. And God inflicted upon him ten plagues. Ten plagues on him and his nation. The fact that his heart was being hardened was a punishment for the past. Punishment for all that he had done. Punishment for the way he acted in prior in previous years. Yambam, Hilches Tshuva, explains it's possible for a person to commit a sin so egregious that to commit so many sins that judgment is rendered before the Shefet the true judge As a retribution for his sins, which he committed freely on his own accord. What is it? He prevented from presenting from repenting and no longer can abandon his evil ways. This is one of the things that God does. The person entrenches himself so deeply in the sin that God deprives them the opportunity to repent. And they die and perish on this account because they could not repent for it. And this explains why God did not give Pare a chance to repent and avoid punishment for his previous wrongdoings. However, we find even after Paris' hardening heart, God warned him, if you refuse, ki ato, if you refuse to let my nation go, behold, I will bring the locust into your borders. As a punishment for the refusal currently to free the Jews. In that case, question begs to ask, if God took away his freedom of choice to repent, so the fact that he doesn't repent, why is he punishable for it? Why is he culpable? Evidently, even after Pari's heart was hardened, he had the option of changing his ways. And therefore he was punished when he didn't. And we find this in the Tanya as well. Al-Tarebbe writes in Tanya, the Gemara says, certain sinners are not granted a chance to repent. This means only that the sinner is not granted an opportunity. But if he presses forcefully and overpowers his evil impulse, and does Tshuva, then his Tshuva is accepted. By the same token, even after God directly influenced Pari's heart and his feelings about freeing the Jews, the ultimate decision of whether to free them or not was still Pari's to make. Making him liable factually refusing it to do so. So from here we see that hope is never lost for a person to to Tshuva. On the contrary, the obstacles a Jew encounters in his path to Tshuva are intended to arouse him even greater determination to force him to return to God. We learn today the tenth plague is inflicted on the Egyptians. Makas Bechoyrois. The death to all firstborn. Taylor tells us something very interesting. And as I was studying this morning, this Pasuk, it had me scratching my head. Taylor says that they cried out and the cry that was cried out during this plague of when the firstborns were all killed there's never been heard such a cry before or ever people watched their firstborn children being killed, die in front of their eyes and they began to scream and wail to such an extent that the tater mentions that there's never been such crying or screaming I had a question I was sitting alone so I didn't really have anyone to ask except for myself talking to myself is not pleasant I had a question we know that Parai decreed that all born boys should be thrown into the Nilos and then it got to a point where he heard that the savior of the Jewish people could be from an Egyptian household as we know Moshe ultimately was raised in Pari's house but they couldn't decipher exactly what that meant but they did think maybe perhaps it was an Egyptian child as well not just a Jewish child to be the savior maybe it was an Egyptian so they were told to throw their children into the Nile as well so my question that got my head scratching was simple when they threw their children into the Nile they didn't wail they didn't scream, they didn't yell suddenly when they saw their children their firstborns dying in front of their eyes Oh. all of a sudden they're yelling but not just yelling and wailing and moaning but at a level that has never been heard before says the tailor how how is it humanly possible that here they moaned and here they didn't here they screamed and wailed and here they didn't say a word or if they did, the terror doesn't mention of it, doesn't make any mention of it. And if it was notable to be mentioned, what's the difference if it's mentioned here or mentioned there? If it happened there, why wasn't the terror mentioning it? And if it happened here as well, why did the terror mention it now? And thinking it through, and then when I came to shul, I mentioned it to somebody. Thank you. And I said to myself, the human nature is very, very strange. We tend, we meaning the human race, tend to do things in a self-destruct mode constantly this person's smoking cigarettes this one's taking drugs people doing things that are hurting them they're hurting themselves but they continue they're coughing lungs up they'll keep smoking they're delusional their brain cells are burnt but they'll keep ju- smoking up or shooting up or whatever it is they do Chmaradot Slan Ukudayma Ukudayma things that people eat things that are allowed to eat diabetics eat sugar and But if a person relatively healthy or as far anyone's concerned with a healthy person, just Rahman al dies, passes away. Ooh. Everybody becomes That same fellow or woman that smoked in public with no concern about the secondhand smoke what it does to somebody else. Or the person that was smoking something else besides tobacco, also with no concern about where the cloud of smoke ended up in someone else's face and mouth. That same person gets shocked when they see something actually happen. That same person that texts while they're driving And sees in like, Rechman a car accident. It was uphidden. And who knows how many people like one of the HaLutzon they get hysterical. When they're doing it doesn't really seem so bad. And this we see from the people they are putting their child in the needless. That's what the king said to do. But when suddenly their firstborns were dying in front of them, what happens? This is a very powerful lesson. And us situated now in the exile in the Golos are obligated to do just this. To cry out. Ad Mosai, till how long, God Almighty, how long are you going to keep us in this horrible, horrific exile? When will you send Mashiach? We all have our own personal exiles, our own personal goals that we're deprived of something or someone that we want to talk to or be with. Or even a relative that's across the wider sea. Although today's technology brings everybody so much closer together. But there's always that meniyah Something that holds back, that restrains, that refrains. And makes it so much more difficult. That makes life difficult. But we tend to lose focus... And we don't realize the main, we're not looking at the main picture. The main picture, as we spoke by the time of learning about sending away the mother bird. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is claiming and crying and bemoaning, where are my children? Watching his very children in Golos, spiritually spiraling spiritually deteriorating and HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries out every day for this and therefore we cry out we are waiting you when will you rule in Zion when will you re- rule in Zion again when will you take us out of this despicable exile where people see evil and they see wickedness by each and every person. There are people that can't find a good point, a good factor factor by anybody. And they unfortunately let their tongues do their walking, do their talking, do their expression. And let everybody know, this person, ooh, what he did. Ooh, what I know about this person. Who would I know about that person? Akmanul Etslan, God should protect us from the and hara, from the rechilus, from the malshinus. God should see to it that He redeems us and that He takes us out of this horrific and despicable exile. first mitzvah of the Torah before we discuss that Pasha's boy as we said many times has three makas three of the plagues boy gematria three and amongst the plagues it was a thick darkness over the entire land of Egypt One of the purposes of this plague of the darkness was allowing the Bnei Yisrael to go into the homes of the Egyptians. And they were able to look and write down exactly where all the possessions were. So, in the ultimate commandment, as we said before, HaKadosh Baruch says, Go take the valuables from the Egyptians. When they were re- when they were leaving, and the Egyptians said, "We don't have anything. We have nothing left." They would reply, "We saw it in your house. It's in this place. It's in that place," and they knew exactly where everything was in. A similar account is found in Medrash. And the Medrash, adds however, Ibn Yisrael canvassed the Egyptians' homes. In a supernat- in a supernatural way. Supernatural manner. Wherever Bnei so went. Light accompanied them. There was light with them. And therefore, everything was illuminated in front of them. And it not only illuminated the actual room, it showed them inside, inside the barrel, inside the closets, hidden recesses, Now Rashi implies that although it actually blinded the Egyptians as well at the time, the B'nai went through the house in natural means. Although they could have gone, stood outside the house and knew exactly where everything was. Because the light was like an x-ray. But the Jews went into the houses and checked. And Rashi's shita here, his opinion... Supports the principle that a natural, the natural processes involved in performing a mitzvah are a significant component of itself. In itself, the mitzvah needs to be done physically, because the purpose of all the mitzvahs is bringing godliness into this world and utilizing only material means to cause and to fulfill God's purpose so when a person does a mitzvah not only he makes the object he's doing the mitzvah with holy the shefer, the lulav, etc but also any other physical means that contributed towards the fulfillment of the mitzvah also become holy such when there's a hardship or financial cost involved in fulfilling a mitzvah we're provided the opportunity for even more of our lives to be included and elevated by the Holy Act if these costs that we involved ourselves were circumvented through supernatural means part of the mundane natural world would remain unaffected therefore it needed to be done with a physical regular means Rashi therefore deduces the fulfillment of God's command of an to empty out the houses of the Egyptians of its values, valuables involved the effort of conducting an ordinary search going from room to room closet to closet Nook and cranny. Had been Yisrael been shown by the light the x-rays of all the places, instead of going through the effort of an ordinary search, then the opportunity of this mitzah to elevate the natural process of life would have been diminished. And therefore... the searching was done in the most natural way also they say, it's written in the Medrash that during these days of Reshech there were people that unfortunately hidden that did not want to leave Egypt they decided they wanted to stay tells us the Medrash that these people died, perished during this time And were buried during this time under the vice, under the cover of darkness. Hence, the Egyptians did not see what was going on, because obviously it was a very embarrassing situation. first mitzvah of the Torah and the question is asked right in the beginning of Beresh's Bara the Torah should have started here with this mitzvah this month shall be for you for the head of the months the first mitzvah given to the Jews after they became a nation was to determine and sanctify the first day of every month. rosh Chodesh. Thereby creating a Jewish calendar. A lunar Jewish calendar. And we see this in the passage that says, HaChodesh Hazel Achem Reish The words HaChodesh Hazel, can also, Khaydish means renewal, not just month, but Khadash, the renewal. God showed Mesha the crescent of the moon and said, This renewal, and he points at him, he points at his moon, when the moon renews itself. That's determined. For you, the heads of the month, the priority given to this mitzvah suggests that sanctifying Rishchidish is a model mitzvah. Kiddush Rishchidish that we say before the Shabbos before Rishchidish Shabbos Mevarchim, as did this past Shabbos, is a model mitzvah. And it represents the underlying theme of all other mitzvahs. The primary objective of all the mitzvahs, as we said before, is to transform the physical world into spirituality, into a place of godliness from mundane to holy. By using any physical object to perform a mitzvah we reveal the godly purpose for which that object was created <laughs> oi because the story that comes to mind is not a good one someone told me last week the here's yeah, a business whatever business it is. And someone called him a client on a Friday. And said to him, come, a non-Jewish client actually, and he said to him, come, pick up a check. I have a check for you, come pick it up. I have a cup. I have a check for you. So he says, "Sir of Shabbos." I don't know. I can come Sunday. No, I insist you come today. So he went. Oh, he told him by one o'clock. By one o'clock. He got the twelve fifty nine. He got the check. And he went home. On Motzeh Shabbos, he gets a phone call from the partner. Two young guys in the business. Partner calls him up. The guy died Friday night. He died. No questions asked. He just died up and died as we say in America so he saw this fellow's mission on this world was to give him this check and it's interesting because I told us to a shlich this week and he told me that he got a check post-mortem a man that used to learn with every day Once a week, whatever it was. And from time to time, the man would give him something for his shdikhas. And by yayim, the man sent him a check in the mail. And every time he came to learn, did you ever get that check? He said, No, sorry, I didn't get it, didn't get it. I sent it. A while later, the old man passed away, Nebuch. I believe he said, "I'm not going to. I don't want to exaggerate or make it to what's called." He said he came back from the funeral, and he found in his mail that day a check from this man, which he says he didn't cash yet because he didn't know what happened. If they closed the account or what, he didn't touch the check. It's by him. It's still sitting by him. Check that he received post mortem. Everything in this world, physical is created for a purpose to serve God. And we sanctify that item by doing the mitzvah with this item. So the sanctification of Shredesh embodies exactly this idea. Because this mitzvah elevates time itself namely the mitzvah involves taking a day that was previous like any other day and declaring it reish Khaidish. beautiful Rish Khaidish the head of the month no longer a regular weekday it has prayers, special prayers that we say Special offerings were brought in the time of the Besamidash. In addition, the calendar is set up by Bez and established via Ishkhaydish the calculation of the constant cycles, the patterns of the sun and the moon. So, the mitzvah to establish a Jewish calendar not only elevates the Jews sanctified as Ishkhaydish, the days sanctified as Ishkhaydish. And ultimately, by extension, the Yomim Tevim, the holidays that come about, fifteen days of the month, or eight days, or whatever it might be in the month, twenty-five days, it reveals godliness in the passage of time of every moment. The therefore, the first mitzvah commanded, since it is a visible act of sanctifying the mundane and the essential theme of all the mitzvahs therefore is given a name like Reish Chodesh time in general is marked and defined by change it's the first most basic characteristic of every created being the time it has the change from non-existent to existence from Ayin yesh, and therefore as such just as time is the very creation, it sanctifies, is the very first mitzvah. Sanctification is its very first mitzvah. Time's very first mitzvah is the sanctification of Rish We agree. Of the people this should be for you a mishmeres a watch an inspection until the 14th day of this month <sighs> the Jews are in Egypt a pretty miserable state mind you Forty nine levels of impurity. They really slumped. They sunk. They were entrenched. One of the deities that the Egyptians had declared was the sheep. The Carbon Pesach is brought with just such sheep. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a male and it needs to be less than a year. So therefore if it has a baby it's not good because it means it's in a cava. If it runs away and we find it the next year no good either because it has to be less than a year old. The Karam Pesach The little sheep but interestingly, Akkadish Baruch Hu doesn't tell the Jews, okay, just take a sheep and shecht it. No, that would be way too simple. On the 14th day of the month, they had to slaughter the Karim Pesach. But Akkadish Baruch Hu says, on the 10th day of the month, I want you to go take that lamb and tie it to your bed. Why four days? Rashi explains these four days of waiting were necessary. Because the time of redemption had arrived, For B'nai Yisrael was so steeped in idolatry to leave Egypt's borders but to bring its undesirable influences with them was a shame. Was a shame on So what is redemption? Redemption means complete and total redemption. And by bringing this out with them, it would be incomplete. So when they slaughtered the sheep, the Egyptian deity, for Karb Pesach, this was a mean of rehabilitation for the Jews. But the Jews in Egypt had not only dabbled in idolatry, as I said, they were steeped deep, deep into it. Not any high, much higher than that. So a one-time act that renounced their previous obsession with idolatry was not enough to deprogram from all the Egyptian influence. So a longer process was required. Four days of introspection. Four days, All time. We discussed this. I believe it was this past year, this past year. The Akedah Yitzchak Avram was commanded to bring his son Yitzchak as a sacrifice. He headed out the very next morning to do what God told him. When did he see the place that the sacrifice needed to be brought? On three days later. Three days into his journey. Four days from the initial command. He was commanded. The next day he set out. And three days later he found it. Four days. Why? Now she explains. God delayed this showing to him immediately. So people should not say... He heard a godly voice and he was totally taken by it and he immediately acted on it. He was temporarily insane as we call it, temporarily insanity. Temporary insanity. So had he acted immediately on impulse on the command of God then people would have said it wasn't real. Therefore, it was needed to take a span of time. A person's greatest passion is his children giving Avram four days to contemplate parting with his child meant that when he ultimately lifted his knife over Yitzchak it was indisputable that he was doing the command of God because any other father would have kicked his back and forth and back and forth famous story joke the fellow is riding his wagon, his horse and wagon, the countryside, and the axle breaks. And similar to the tire, the axle breaks. You need to lift it up on a jack, the wagon, and get underneath and fix it. Abed nishgahat. He didn't have a jack number. Now, where do I get a jack in the middle of a pitch dark road in the countryside? squinting he sees yonder maybe a mile, maybe more a light hopefully it's a farmer, a shed he surely has a jack and he set out leaving his horse and wagon, to go to borrow a jack from the farmer it's a 15-20 minute walk and as he's walking he says to himself what do I do if the guy says no? I'm stuck out here in the middle of nowhere. There's no AAA. There's no warranties on my wagon. They come and do roadside service. What do I do? Eh. spells that stupid thought. How foolish. Of course he's going to lend it to me. I'll fix it. I'll be on my way in no time. You know something? It's the middle of the night. I know his light's burning. I know he's awake. What if he says, I don't trust you. I don't know who you are. Leave me a credit card for a deposit. I don't have a credit card. <sighs> you know what? I'm being so cynical. So foolish. If this happened to me reverse, I would definitely not the it. How would I not? I mean, what kind of fool is he? I want to steal something, i steal his horse. I'm not going to steal his jack. Why have everything I want to steal his jack? <laughs> he dismisses that doubt. Not even possible that the guy's going to say no. What if? Just what if this guy is a real mean fellow and decides. I don't care you're stuck out on my road. You should have had a better wagon to begin with. Who asked you to drive wagons rickety, wagons around here? I'm not giving you my jack. That's my jack, I paid for it. You don't pay for your own, it's not my fault. Anyway, this argument went on for the entire 20 minutes. I'm not doing it for 20 minutes, forget it. And the time he got to the farmer's door it was one of the negative ones. The negative argument was screaming and yelling that there's no way this guy's going to give it to you. He's a wicked man. He's an evil man. And this is why he lives out here with no neighbors because he can't live with neighbors. He can't coexist. And he knocks at the door and the farmer opens the door and he takes a fist and he smacks him in the face. He punches him across the face and says, I wouldn't even take your jack if you gave it to me for free. no human nature four days four days What goes through the person's mind in four days Avraham Avinu thinking in four days time back and forth my son, my only son, the son I love so much, the son I adore, the son that's supposed to be continuing, my continuation in life he's the one that's going to bring me my children grandchildren and everything else and I'm going to kill him so God commanded me. I'll cut his finger. I'll take blood from somewhere else. I, I can't kill my son. Let me tell you though, Avram <laughs> didn't happen that way. There were many things that the Sultan tried to do to cause obstacles for Avram's journey in those three days. But Avram persevered. For one moment, Avram didn't have a doubt that he was going to fulfill God's mission. Hence, he persevered, forged ahead. And he said, I am determined to go and do my mission. And for four days, he forged his determination he strengthened his emuna with God and the same here the Yidin for four days had to answer to the Egyptians cry and scream what are you doing with our God why is he tied to your bed they let Rome free here And they didn't have to answer. We were commanded by God. Commanded by God to slaughter their sheep. Fully aware of what we're going to do. Four days of thought and awareness. They effectively Indisputably, purged themselves of their idolatrous state of mind. Because although till then they were serving this as well, now they not only set this aside, they stood with determination. They stood with conviction, knowing that they were going to kill this very sheep. So when the passage tells us, "On the tenth day, each person take the sheep for the carbon, for the carbon Pesach," that the Jews were now commanded to bring in Mitzrayim. This brings in generalization. Each point. That was not by the Karim Pesach that was kept generations to come. In Egypt, they were told to bring it to their house on the 10th of Nisan and on the 14th day to sacrifice. As we said, keeping them in the house for four days. And Rashi says, he brings down the words of Rim Masib and Kharash. The time that has come that I re- promised Avram that I will redeem his children. But they had no mitzvah, they had no merits with which I should redeem them for. Shinemarit says, You are totally naked. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them two mitzvahs. Dam Pesach Dam Milah. The blood of the Karim Pesach and the Dam of the Brismila. Of course, the question begs to ask, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give them these two mitzvahs? In order to take them out of Arumim M'Kala mitzvahs, from their nakedness of all mitzvahs, one mitzvah is enough. How many eggs can you eat on an empty stomach? You haven't eaten in three days, two days. How many eggs can you eat on an empty stomach? The answer is one. Because once you eat that egg, your stomach's no longer empty. One mitzvah makes them out, finishes, fixes their, rectifies their nakedness. And if it's not enough with one, why two? Make fifty. And why the four days? The explanation of the two mitzvahs are the two lacking generalizations that the Jews were lacking in Egypt. They had no mitzvahs, but they were also entrenched in the way the Zara. The mitzvah of Mila comes to fill the first lacking. And through the mitzvah of Yudela, this fundamental mitzvah of Mila sets the person over the top. And all those who didn't have a bris yet, adults, children, Hu should give you strength. That you should be able to join the Jewish nation. Shekilishanub mit Svaisa Alamila. And Lakhnisa Shall Through this great mitzvah, the Jews were given a tremendous merit. Karbm Pesach fulfills the second thing: to take the Jews out of the impurity of Egypt. As we said, it was an, a deity, a deity, taking it and slaughtering it to Karbm Fahir. Baruch Hu. This showed that they are eradicating their Avedezara. From within. Not enough just to slaughter the Seh, but to eat the Seh. For not only just to slaughter and eat the Seh, but to take it on the tenth day. As we just discussed, what the four days purged. This has to be not in Pesach any other generation. Because the Jews in Egypt were the ones that needed the four days, as we said, to wipe out and to take them away Mm. from what they were totally, totally entrenched in. Five minutes, five minutes, finishing Ah. here. So these days, we accept the proper message as we stand prepared for redemption. In our days, we need to dress the naked and thereby taking all the directions and seeing to it that we overcome all our obstacles and we go to the ulam mitzva shtemah aidem kenu this very shabbes kshadas to all